0: up when it's all over. When I'm wiser and I'm older. All this time I was finding myself and I, 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 I didn't know I was lost. (laughs) Well, that's Avicii, which I guess is a singer of some kind. And if it's an excerpt from my personal blog documenting my experience of self-discovery at a clothing-optional vegan turkey farm in New Paltz, then this must be Dale Radio. And I, of course, am your host, Dale Seaver, and you're listening to another episode of Some Things I Enjoy, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And uh, I tell you something, if you're listening to me on your headphones or your hi-fi stereo system, uh, perhaps you're also the kind of person who enjoys listening to audiobooks. And we at Dale Radio are pleased to announce a new partnership with Audible.com. Get a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download when you visit audibletrial.com slash Radio. There's over 100,000 titles to choose from, but might I recommend the comedy stylings of voiceover artist Dawes Butler in Rare Dawes Butler, Comedy from the Voice of Yogi Bear. <laughs> that exists! Or you can just blow it on The Hunger Games, whatever you like. Anyhow... Tonight, folks, this is thrilling. I'm pleased to be here with you and with my special guest for the evening as a Nor'easter battles down on us on the eve of Thanksgiving. I'm here on the Upper West Side of New York with artist Seeker, is that fair to say, Seeker? Absolutely. And friend, Oliver Halsman Rosenberg. Oliver, how are you? Hi,
1: Dale. (laughs) It's It's nice to be here. Thanks for the tea, by the way. My my pleasure. And uh, you're doing okay? I gather you have a knee injury. It's unfortunate, but uh, at this point, you know, life is just—it's just—it just is happening, it's and it's out of my force. control. And I'm just <laughs> doing my best to dance with it.
0: That's right, and you were dancing at the time. I was Berlin. You just the back time. from Berlin. <laughs>
1: just back from Berlin. How was that? You yeah. how how long of a stay was that for you? Berlin. It was three months. And, and it was, was that relatively long for you? Wow. I don't know. Time is a really strange concept for me. So, yeah. it can, you know, each day can be a year and each year can be a day. So, sure. three months was simultaneously a flash of an eye and also like many lifetimes. But, um, man, I like that. <laughs> I think three months think is a good, it's a, good many it's yeah. a good chunk. It's a good chunk. It was just, you know, things get. Ripe, right around three months. Yeah. For instance, when I come to New York, I like for, for around four months. It's just it's just about perfect. If mm-hmm. I stay a little bit more than that, okay. After six months, then uh, it's it's really time to go. Right. Yeah. On to the next thing. Yeah. Well, well, uh now, uh
0: do we need any kind of any ceremony before we begin? Do you feel like let's have a cheers? We can cheers our um, uh,
1: tea. Teacups, may everyone arrive okay. safely uh, uh, to their holiday tables and back home again. Uh right. here, here. Mm. Cheers. And I went with the mint tea. What did you get? I am on uh, the green tea about seven seepings in. Oh, well. <laughs> what has it achieved now? <laughs> it's getting very mild.
0: <laughs> it's, I would say it's a light green now. Now we're in a in a kind of magical environment here, isn't it? So we should start mm-hmm. with that. Sure. Can you tell me something
1: about this building? It was once the home to what? That's correct. This building is where the Arenbergs used to live. Okay. And in the um, I believe it was the 1920s, when the Dada movement started, there were three different locations. It was in Zurich, uh, Paris, and New York. And this building, in fact, was the home of the Dada movement, because the Arenbergs had a big studio, and they would have salons where artists like Duchamp would come and and stay and different people would present their concepts and ideas. I mean, the salon doesn't happen so much as as it is anymore. But this this building is pretty magical in that respect. And then, um, you know, Duchamp actually used to live here. And then my grandfather worked here with Dali and like Marilyn's been in and out of these doors. And I don't know, so many so what, what was it, they, they,
0: they had a studio that, what, before it became apartments or they were always apartments? Well, no, here? this
1: building was designed, actually this whole neighborhood is, is it's an old like artist working class neighborhood. There's saw the so, hotel down there. Yeah, Hotel Des Artistes. That's so a, real this, this this just, a real deal or oh. did they just... It's a real deal that some guy painted all those murals inside because he couldn't pay his bills. So he'd paint and then, you know, now it became a fancy restaurant <laughs> right. and, uh... So what happened was all these buildings were built with big sky, uh, sky skylights with northern facing lights. And it's this was a time before there were so many art galleries in the city. So different artists would have these big spaces to get the natural light to do their model studies and invite people over for salons. So it was a lot of it's a very like started as an artist working Mm -hmm. class neighborhood. Now it's like very. Yuppie, and but we're. I feel like connected because my grandfather moved into this building in the early '40s, and he was an artist his whole life, and I'm an artist, so I feel like okay, we're like some of the last artists in the right. in the building, right. you know. It's. Uh,
0: and was he connected to to that uh, that artistic movement of of Dada or or no? That well, had kind of passed by then. Yeah, right? that that happened. I mean, it's still,
1: but when he something. moved to Paris in the '30s, it was definitely the surrealism was still kind of. The heart was beating strong in Paris from the Surrealist movement, so I think that definitely affected him. And you know, he came to New York in 1940, and then soon after Dalí came, and they started working together for 37 years. And this is Philippe (coughs) Philippe Halsman, Halsman. yeah, is your
0: grandfather. Mm. And he,
1: how did he connect to to Dalí? He was working for Black Star Photo Agency. He arrived in this country with you know on an emergency. Einstein had his name put on this list by Eleanor Roosevelt's emergency visa for artists and writers, so and he arrives. Already, he's he, already connected. He arrives <laughs> in this country. It's a long story, amazing yeah. story. You yeah. can read about it in um, this yellow book here. But uh, you know, he we're, arrived with What is the book called? It's called I Unknown can't Halsman. I can't see it. Okay. It was released by DAP in two thousand eight. It's uh-huh. a book I edited of his unknown work, and I. You know, I write and in the go introduction, through the, story, the right. amazing history it's of It's a very dramatic life. lead up into that point, but somehow,
0: anyway, you re- S- re- look it up on your own time. Yeah, and then, Amazon
1: uh, is super cheap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he makes it here. Uh, he
1: makes it here with six, with six uh, photographs under his arm, and he's just got a family to support. So he, you know, he's knocking on every door. He gets a job at Black Star Photo Agency. And how old of a kid is he? he's at this point he was born in 1906 and this, so he was like 34 years old 35
0: oh, that's pretty that's pretty
1: uh, far along mm-hmm. he's not a kid well no i mean but he had you know he had a career in, in paris for like 10 years before the nazis oh, okay. invaded as but, a studio photographer as uh as a photographer, yeah, he was working in those days a lot. He was doing a lot for, like, coiffure magazines, like hairstyle stuff. Like, really amazing. I mean, people don't even do their hair like this anymore. Yeah. And we have, like, the step-by-step, you know, how to curl your hair. And, like, you know, but everyone ends up looking like a Greek sculpture, you know, with these wild curls. <laughs> do you ever do it? You got a good head of hair Oh, uh, Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This, this New York water is killing me. <laughs> but, um, so... So, at Blackstar Agency, at Blackstar Photo Agency, uh, I think he probably saw you know Dalí was going to be in town. He was doing the costume design for this opera, so he you know chose that card and took that on as his assignment. And because he was in Paris around the same time, they had these hmm. connections. And then the photograph he took ended up being in Life Magazine as the picture of the week. And Dali loved publicity, and my grandfather and he had this repertoire with each other that, or this relationship where they were both very intelligent, but they had this kind of boyish, like crazy streak too. So yeah. I think they they met in this place and kind you know. of wild playfulness that goes through both of their yeah their lives and work. I would imagine. Yeah, it's it's been it's been an interesting legacy to to grow up. Yeah. On the inside, did of. he have the
0: kind of destructive uh, tendencies that I feel like a Dali may have had?
1: No, did he have those? No, I don't know I don't if he think did or not. So. I don't know as no. much on the uh, no, no. I feel like I don't know, yeah. No, he was. I think when he needed to relax, he would photograph nudes. That's well, well, that's how the story goes. I, I
0: understand. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah. of course, then he and he photographed not only working with Dali but all the greats and we have a ton of Life magazines here but yeah I 101 mean, really, life covers I
1: mean that's amazing he's yeah. really as
0: I said just before we started there's really just document uh, a document of the 20th century uh, like no other
1: really his his he was he, he didn't want to just be a photographer of of the superficial uh, features of a person he yeah. was very interested in the psychological depth of a person and their soul and and using lighting and and using psychology and questions, because, you know, this is pre-digital, you had like 12, you know, images per roll. So, you know, really like getting into it with a person, having a conversation, and then at that right moment, releasing the shutter. So, you know, for him, a testament to a good portrait was something that people would think of, you know, in the future as the defining portrait of that person. Right. That's what he wanted to go for. And, right. you know, Einstein, Marilyn. I mean, so many of these well, pictures. Is. There's like the essential sold. picture of those people. Right. So I think he would be proud yeah, if he could see that people are still, you know, every month there's a new cover of a book or a magazine coming out with his work on it. Sure, sure. Well, and uh,
0: and then he also got people to, to jump up in the air with jump what's it called? Jumpology.
1: Jumpology. Jumpology. Yeah, this was, um, this That's, was, there's just a little, we're just a little yeah, cleaning yeah. in the background. <laughs> this is It's okay. Getting this things together. This has happened. Life happens. Um, this is their jumping leprechauns <laughs> <laughs> preparing their Thanksgiving feast. Um, but what no, I want to say jumpology. about Jumpology. Mm.
0: Jumpology. And he got people to, it, it along the same lines of revealing their sort of essential shelves by Whatever, we letting their inhibitions down by jumping into mm-hmm. the air. You saw their real fear, or excitement, or happiness, whatever was on their faces. They're,
1: features. they're, they're. Uh, you know, he would photograph a lot of celebrities, and everybody, you know, has this ego that they're projecting and maintaining that this is who I am. And what he realizes through jumping the mask drops is right. what he would say. And their true spirit comes out. And then he puts a book together where he's saying, okay, look at these heads of corporation. All the heads of corporation are jumping with their arms up in the air. Or, uh, you know, all the Hollywood stars are jumping like little girls. Like, what does this say? Hmm. Or like, oh, look at these collaborative partnerships. One is jumping with the hands up and one is jumping with the hands down so they're balanced. Right. And look at this collaborative partnership. They're both jumping with their hands up and then these people don't end up Working together. You know, so <laughs> it was a little tongue-in-cheek something, to it. Something to it. There was something to it. Jumpology. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that's,
0: that's interesting. I want to connect it to your work uh-huh. in a way. And uh, I don't know if I'm too far off base, and we'll talk about some of your work. But uh, it seems to me that, that that deal of capturing the essence of the person mm-hmm. is so similar to your work and with the glyphs and the body of uh-huh. painting and the drawing, because you are you are Identifying something essential about that person—that's a snapshot, a portrait of them—in mm. a way, uh, like your grandfather.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. For me, uh, you know, I I do this. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to use these new ag words like channeling or. But it's it's kind of what it is. I have yeah. this calligraphy form that comes through me. It's like meditation because it comes from a place of no mind. I don't pre. Think anything I just let it happen and you know I work with somebody and I'll just sit there and just close my eyes and feel their pulse and kind of just allow that energetic connection to happen and then I'll just start kind of doing my designs right on their body and for me it's like a way of like revealing this like energetic you know we have different bodies we have our physical body our energy body our like karma body. And so it's a way of just like bringing that out. And it's also, you know, I grew up in this around these kind of, you can look around the room and there's, you know, African sculptures and sculptures from around the world. So I kind of grew up very influenced by this kind of native stuff. And I didn't really find it anywhere in our culture, you know, Mm -hmm. all we have are, um, you know, if men wear makeup, you're basically like a drag queen. Or something. Right. But it might so, exist in a kind of parody or heightened parody, theatrics. Yeah. Right. And this is something I started doing on myself, yeah. just as a way to connect, you know, with, with my own... I don't know. It just Sometimes you just do things unconsciously or you do things because you're feeling it. And it's not, you know, I never set out to do this as part of my art practice. It just kind of, it just kind of led to this. Like I do many different practices simultaneously. Yeah. And this is just one of them. And and yeah, I think I was I was doing in Berlin, I was doing this body art project and I was talking with one of the models I was working on and you know, all these motifs just started coming out, and then she mentioned that she was part Egyptian, and then I like, you know, half an hour into it, I was like, Oh my god, all these colors I'm using in the lines, these are all like kinda king tut, you know, these turquoise and these yellows and these whites, these are like the same colors that the sarcophaguses would have sure sarcophagi I don't know I think so yes yeah. sarcophagal if it was a woman <laughs> so you know like I was just like uh, it just was like okay there is something really to this there is something to this kind of operating from a place of no mind and letting the higher intelligence work through you and choose through you and choose choosing by instinct instead of like oh well these colors are in this season it's like no like this my hand Next just wants this color right now, so right. I'm just going to let it pick it up. And were you an intuitive child? Was I an intuitive? I think all children are intuitive, no? I, I don't think know. I've, I've seen a couple around, <laughs> around the playground I, think, I have my doubts about. <laughs> I think, hopefully, I think, I think, um, but not in the sense that, I mean, I think, you know, I... I would, there was this Time Life series of like mysteries of the unknown. I remember watching these commercials as a kid on TV, like mm-hmm. you know about these psychics and tarot readers and this person who could levitate. And I was always really like attracted to this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I even ordered these glasses where you could like see behind you, you know, and these little <laughs> mirrors like. Right. On the side. Uh, but I think you know I was unfortunately I could never be like a mind. Reader, I don't know. I thought that'd be really interesting to be able to read people's minds or know the future. You know, right. but to a point. It always comes with a cost, though. Yeah. Then it? I think, wow, what a what a. <laughs> There's always a downside to that. Privilege and well, responsibility. Let, mm. Well, let's
0: uh, let's talk about when I first encountered you. Okay. Um, because we go back some time now, 11, 12 years, something like that. Gosh, make and me feel and at that moment, don't worry, I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I think, and I don't know if this is true, but my image of you mm-hmm. is a bit uh, as a, a kind of a dandy, hmm. a kind of a but put together. That's I don't know funny. if it was maybe full on a uh-huh. uh, dandy with all the effects of that. But you you stood out. You were not, oh. and in San Francisco, it takes you know a little little effort. <laughs>
1: Just, yeah, I felt and, like yeah. Yeah, in San Francisco you could stand out, and you would. It was. It's not a big deal. Because I don't think it was a did, big deal, yeah. but
0: I. I right. You knew who you were, mm. and maybe it was a, must, a mustache or something. Yeah, you, yeah. you had something, and you were producing events, some kind of art spectacle or event. It was really the the main thrust of what. That's how I came to know you right. by by my attendance at some of those things, mm. and. I thought, oh my gosh, okay, good good luck with everything <laughs> to this fella, uh, he'll figure it out. And then I remember I was at one of these uh, uh, 24-hour diner kind of places, mm-hmm. and I was there and was just there and happened to see you and another gal and another fella, just f- feverish in your drawings, mm-hmm. it was a kind of a drawing club or something, mm-hmm. I think. And that's why I said, "Oh, he's, he's he's more than than what I thought. I mm. got to give this guy a second look." Oh, thanks. Because there was a real seriousness there,
1: okay. Even within that kind
0: of a, a yeah. weird environment of a twenty-four hour diner in the in the Castro, oh, you yeah, were really you I were making something. Almost. You were making yeah. something work on the back of placemats or colored paper, whatever it was. <laughs> sure, beautiful drawings mm. that I hadn't <laughs> seen anywhere else, and some of the same line work I think I see today in in your practice, mm. but. So, so from there you start a space in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, well, I, you have to understand. I came from um, when I moved to San Francisco. I was I was living in New York for two years, as I was working as a graphic designer behind a computer for, you know, and just losing my mind. And I was like, what you grew up here. Yeah, I was born okay. here, but after college I moved here, and I was like, I gotta get out. and I bought a motorcycle. I went to Vietnam. I bought a motorcycle. I got in a, car, a motorcycle accident in Vietnam. I thought I was a ghost for three years. This is when I was in, in San Francisco. So you probably caught me in my ghost phase where I was like, oh, I'm dead, so nothing matters. I can just do whatever I want to do. <clears throat> and this is a very liberating experience yeah. to die within your own life because you're totally free. You're free of judgment. You're just, you, sure. it's the idea that you're living within your own afterlife. And, and... So, you probably caught me at this point where I'm just like, okay, costume, you know, the body is the original canvas. I'm going to paint on my body or wear whatever eccentric clothes mm-hmm. I want. But also, um, you know, play, like I'm, I have a serious side and a playful side. So, when I came to San Francisco, I was coming as like a New Yorker. And I was coming as a ghost who's like, okay, I can, if I dream it up, it can happen. So when, you're, so, when you're at the graphic design place, you're also a ghost? No. no After that, you ghost. say, I got
0: to get out of there. Then you go to Vietnam. Then I went to Vietnam. Oh, got yeah, in understand. a motorcycle accident. And then three mm. years as a ghost. <laughs> three years as a it's ghost. A, I know. That's a whole other time. story. <laughs> Let me finish this first one. But I want, <laughs> but I want to be clear okay. what, That's it. I mean, we're, we're talking, we can be flexible in our uh, concept of time. But that's yeah. a
1: decent... That, it was a chunk. It <laughs> <that> was a, <laughs> a beautiful of time to go, It was a beautiful as time. As a, wow. A, really?
0: A, a non Living entity,
1: well, or you were a living. I don't know. I don't know. Things became very uh, surreal after
0: that. What 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 snapped snapped you out of being a ghost?
1: Well, see, this is what I mean. That's okay. a whole other story. So <laughs> let me just finish. So when I when I okay. came to San Francisco, yeah, <clears throat> I was coming as a New Yorker, and I was like, you know, I was like. Ready to just get stuff done. I had an idea, and I remember I wanted to propose a show. I was doing these, I guess you would call them pop up. That was yeah. pre pop up concept. Wasn't called that right. yeah, yeah. So I was doing these pop up uh, exhibitions, and they all had a theme. One theme, I blindfolded people, spun them around, had them throw a dart at the map of San Francisco, and wherever their dart landed, they had to go and do a right. thing. Right. And you know the show before that was called gold frame remix and i just it, it was a, a nice way to integrate into the city because i started curating i started going to all the shows and seeing okay i really like this artist and that artist and i want them in my show and then i become friends with these artists and you know here's a theme i want you to take you know work of art from art history and just do it in your own style and then you know we're gonna have a show of that so you know i started doing these events and one thing led to another and then i got a storefront In San Francisco in the Mission District on 24th when, you know, it was just like us and like a bunch of gangbangers and like local, like we were like really the only art space there. And it was like that candy shop, ice cream store. Yeah, they opened shortly after us. So (laughs) my friend Clint and I. And then there, yeah. right, I thought St. there was St. Francis Soda Fountain. Yeah, right? That wasn't <clears> an old
0: time. That wasn't really there for me. No, long that
1: time. was the guy from Boogaloo's opened that. <laughs> oh, Boogaloo's. Boogaloo's. <laughs> you brought back wow, some memories. I love it. I, I oh, wish I so could blues. have one of those muffins. You always right wanted right now. that brunch to be better, though. <laughs> I personally, was, personally, I, well, I thought I was, it could be so, better. So those muffins and that white sauce. But. um. <laughs> So then triple base yeah my friend Clint and I were collaborating uh, you mm-hmm. probably saw us in the diner cuz we would we were always we were doing these collaborative things and I think also that came out of seeing my grandfather working with Dali just yeah. this whole idea of like artists collaborating with each other and like as a spiritual practice like losing the ego like hey you know usually artists are like this is mine and very territorial and uh, but it's like how can I surrender how can I learn to be harmonious like how can I work with someone else's designs and just Get it into a place where it's it's working together and there's a good dialogue, and it's not just really clashing like, okay, this is mine and this is yours. But it's right. so, so triple, base, together triple in a good base. way. yeah, that was our spot. <laughs> we were jumping in a good way, yeah, yeah, and uh, and that was great. I was there for a couple of years doing different events and different like community based projects, so it was really important for me to like give back to the community Mm -hmm. at that point and invite kids in. We would do like free portrait day, just like open the door and whoever walked in off the street, just like do a portrait, give it to them and let that inspire their own generosity later on in the day or something. I tell you, I don't know a whole lot about what's happening
0: (laughs) anywhere (laughs) really, but within, you know, art art circles and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But it seems to me that you are, you are ahead of the curve. Mm. A lot of, or, or maybe you were uh, a, you know, a visionary in that way and that mm-hmm. you just you saw where things were headed and you were already doing that kind of stuff now mm-hmm. I know that some of these practices social practice that can be, mm-hmm. that goes back some to the 70s mm-hmm. 60s there you can find people doing it but specifically call doing it in the approach that you did mm-hmm. I think was just before the rest of the world kind of caught mm-hmm. on to it mm-hmm. and it was interesting work the stuff that I saw mm-hmm. that and uh, I certainly, I think it enlivened the, the uh, nature of the place. There, mm. Certainly within the, the, that little network of spaces that mm-hmm. was there.
1: Yeah, well, I think for me, I've never been... For me, it's more... It's not as much about being an artist for like notoriety or like instant gratification of ego. It's like how can I authentically like communicate my truth, you know, and it'll take whatever form it needs to. So I'm not committed. I, as a child, you know, my mom would take me to museums and I'd see these people like Roy Lichtenstein. I'd be like, I just, I don't want to be one of those artists that, you know, it's just like so easily identifiable. I, I like Picasso more because he just, you know, had had such a fluidity of styles, you know, from sculpture to painting, and even within doing something realist or cubist. So for this, I never wanted to be pinned down. I didn't ever want my art, I didn't want to be trapped in a gallery system where it's like I'm a producer of a product and it, this is what it looks like and this is what sells. So you have, you know, I'd rather be a broke artist with complete freedom to do what I want to do because it's something authentic versus, you know, a successful, well-known artist that's, you know, forever trapped You know with a magnifying lens uh, magnifying glass on them and they can't ever break out so i appreciate you i mean i don't even i just kind of dropped out of the whole art scene after i went to india to a certain degree i mean it's like one foot in one foot out um because you know i'd just rather spend my life making work and you know being the archivist for my grandfather and like you know, taking care of his work and putting it out in museums, I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, I'll have some grandkids who can do that with my work, you know, because I just, I'm just like, you know, there was, there was a time in my life where I was trying to be a serious artist. This was after college, I'd do a series of work and this is back before digital stuff and I'd have slides taken of my work and right. send it out to all the galleries and spend all this time and money and I think I got rejected from every single thing I applied to or sent for and I was like wow all the money that I spent on this and the time and life force I could have just been making art and right yeah so and if, uh, probably
0: you needed to do I mean the, there, there is a something I think that comes out of the school system or what, what is some kind of notion that we have that we got to hit we have to be there first or we have to be in this big herd of people running to the galleries yeah, and all man. that kind of a thing, but really what's rewarded are people that find their true voice and then that is heard Mm. or it gets presented back uh, to the world. Mm. not saying you have to always go through that same channel of the gallery things. I don't think they have a role to play, but it's not for the people that are not yet there. I think with anything, not just galleries, Mm. but I think actually making it to some place is once you find that original, authentic, voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and have some command over it right. well, that's when you're making uh, yeah. work that's worth paying attention right
1: to. i mean for me it's it got to a point where it's like realizing that style and originality and style is very superficial like we're humans we've been humans no matter what clothes we wear what vehicles we use to get around we still you know eat breathe and shit and suffer and fall in love and fall out of love and have our heart broken and create families and people die and people are born like these these are like the universal truths within the human experience and 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 the search for god the search for the divine and this this is the subtext of my whole art expression is just this search for the divine and i always think okay at the end of my life it'll be more clear but like each each thing i do reflects like a certain philosophical or spiritual platform that i'm, I'm at at the time and i just realize if if i want my work to live on it has to communicate to people to the core of, of a person it yeah. otherwise it's just something that you know will have an interest for five seconds and it's like uh blip 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 you know warhol said 15 minutes of Fame, now it's like 15 uh, seconds of fame or 15 MPEGs of fame or 15.15 JPEGs of fame. <laughs> you know. So it's, But again, if you're making work that is going to be communicating more directly to the human experience, people are going to be able to relate to that no matter what year it is. And so this is, as long as I'm authentically communicating my truth in that moment, then it's going to speak to someone else's truth. So, yeah, it's not about being the first or whatever. And I think, really, it's like punk rock. You know, people dress like this to alienate themselves from others, to yeah. make a stance to say, like, hey, this isn't me. But now you have, you know, punk rock is going to be, you know, it's in the the Met or the Victorian Albert Museum. Or, you know, now it's, like, appropriated by pop culture. And it's not what it is. And people just dress in punk rock like they saw these other people dress in punk rock. And it's become this kind of you know, almost like a, a mask, like a cliche. And right, right now, I think like do, being, doing spiritual art or anything of the spiritual, it's extremely taboo because when you're talking about God or the divine and it's, it's in an extremely commodified um, culture or you're talking about like these are subjects that make people uncomfortable. like spirit and God, like you can't say that in New York, you know? So, so it's for me, I'm like, wow, I'm a total outsider because I'm choosing to like have work or doing something that's totally beautiful in a time when we're putting artists that just make collections of garbage into sculptures and then they're celebrated for that. But to want to create something beautiful or to want to talk about God or the, 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 divine as like a point of inspiration seems very in our time like and i'm not doing it to do something outside or un you know underrepresent. represent there's no like strategy to right. it it's just you like hey this is like... what i'm doing and right. right now we live in a day and age where like it's not commodifiable because so many people are uncomfortable with their own relationship they haven't resolved their own relationship to it so they don't really want to think about this or that so how does the, how does the work then connect to to faith or religion? Well,
0: or you is know, it the pursuit of the divine, which may be different than uh, either of those two categories?
1: I think you know, for me, you know, I was doing uh, in San Francisco like ten years, twelve years ago. I was doing a lot of like large scale work, like it was abstract work, but it was like kind of like M.C. Escher on you know on some mind-altering drug, although I wasn't on mind-altering drugs necessarily when I was making the work. Right? <laughs> um, it was it was about the interconnectedness of everything. It was mm-hmm. about how, you know, it was playing, it was like kind of cubic it was like, okay, this edge is really just, the, it looks like it's the edge of one thing and it's turning into something else and it's this kind of constant transformation and integration and non-separation of anything. So... You know, in this sense, it's kind of like a spiritual concept. God is one, you know, the interconnectedness of everything. But it's like I'm taking that concept and I'm translating it into a visual language. Or I have another thing that I call spherism. Ooh, my phone is vibrating. (laughs) Because spherism is all about vibration.
0: (laughs) I notice every time we introduce a major concept, (laughs) we have the... uh... (laughs) The, so the, the noises spheres. of the spheres are okay. coming through so
1: vibrations. so okay I, because i was doing a lot of like <laughs> reading on like buddhism at the time and dr masumoto moto's uh praying to water and watching how f- things freeze differently based on different intention so just thinking about water and vibrations and even now in my practice i'm using singing bowls but just the way in quantum physics it was like all these different things were coming into me and i wanted to create a visual language that could speak about this concept, how, because I already covered, okay, everything is interconnected, everything mm-hmm. is like really one plane. And I was like, well, how do I explain love, the macro, micro, cosmic nature of reality? How come, you know, the cosmos is the same structure as the biology, you know, it's Charles and Ray Ames did an amazing Power of 10 video. Right, a great one. That's all about that. So spherism was my update of cubism. So is that catching on? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not worried about it. I'm still working on it. But the, the, the thing is that um, I, I've done, I, I thought, okay, I'm doing too much esoteric stuff. Mm-hmm. Like here I am doing like DNA spirals and Fibonacci spirals all done in this visual vocabulary. And I was like, maybe I'm just speaking over the head of people. I was like, if I want to speak to the common person, and this is very Warholian, I was like, I have to, I I had the epiphany like in the supermarket. I was like, I need to use, you know, cereal boxes and the cover of like the trashy magazines at the checkout. So then I did a whole series where I was like, okay, Snap, Crackle and Pop is my pop art, you know? And Uh so, uh or like, I'm going to do Star Magazine, you know, or People Magazine, like, about plastic surgery has gone wrong, and then I would convert that all into this kind of abstracted, vibrationally uh, represented image. So Jennifer Lopez would become a swirl of different. Oh, I'll uh, show you Paris yeah. Hilton. I, Paris Hilton she, was my new muse. You yeah. look at it, and just, you won't even see her. She's just a it's vibrating bath. So probably good that you got out to India. After that point, well, yeah, well, and then, and, yeah, I had to leave America at yeah. that point. I, was <laughs> I a little... think Once you make Marisol be amused, you <laughs> said, "Oh, I've gone about as far as I can go with that." So. Right? I need to get barefoot in a in a rag and wander around for two years. And was that a, <clears> was that <throat> an
0: opportunity that
1: led you there, or was it a, a decision to to make a clean break? No, I had. What happened was, I left San Francisco. Originally, I met someone in San Francisco who really inspired me. He was doing this Merkaba meditation. What and is, at the time, that nobody knew what it was. Yeah. Like maybe they still don't. Well, no, no, just no, in the podcasting uh, community, right? we don't practice it So this, there's this author, Junvalno Milchisnadek, who wrote The Flower of Life. And it was all about sacred geometry. Uh-huh. And there was a meditation technique that went along with this activating uh, your star tetrahedron energy body around you. And it's like the intersection so, of the upward-pointing triangle <laughs> and the downward-pointing triangle. You'll see this image like in cultures all over the world. And I met a teacher who was just randomly passing through San Francisco and he was on his way back to India and I was like oh my god you're like the only other person I've met who's into this kind of stuff and he's like oh come to India and you know I'll teach you what I know and then I that's why I packed up triple bass and I was on my way to India and then my beloved grandmother had a stroke and passed away and then I had to archive everything in the Halsman archive. So for two years, I was just like working for my family and I let go like all my dreams. And then finally, when I was free, and I grew my beard in protest, I had a protest beard. I was like, I'm not shaving till I get to (laughs) India. Now then it's like, beards are hipster thing. It's funny.
0: So that's when I had reconnected with you at uh some kind of Texas restaurant. And you had the beads and the long, Oh, I, long, I would long braid.
1: Beard. Yeah, it got so big, I yeah. had to just braid them. And I, then I would tie, like, shells in them and yes. stuff. It was, it was an interesting time. Yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting time. And then, so then I shaved it and went to India. And, and it was funny, because then everyone there had huge beards, you know. Right. <laughs> but, but then I just grew the mustache. Because, you know, in India, if you don't have a mustache, you're, like, not really, That's like, part. a man, no, you know. Part, so I yeah. always had my Indian mustache. And, uh... And that's the that's the radiator that you w- would have heard in that's, the nineteen twenties. Yeah,
0: this is this is such an old building. <laughs> you get a nice hiss, vintage hiss. Uh, <laughs> that is a classic New York apartment kind of sound. Yeah, it's getting cold. So I, I I strive to give my listeners an authentic picture of where I am at any one point. Um, and so you go you go over there, and is that when the 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 glyphs start to appear. The
1: glyphs started in San Francisco. You were already doing that. I was already doing but that. But they really became full, full blown. Because in India, like this is the one, not the one culture, but you know, every morning the holy men wake up and they start putting makeup on their head, you know, like ah, the yeah. different lines on their forehead, the three lines in ash across represent this God, the, the one red line going from the third eye up to the temple represent this God. So, you know, you're walking around India and everyone, like all all my heroes, you know, these like holy homeless men are like all walking around with their bodies covered with their sacred adornments. So, you know, it became a practice, you know, also when you're traveling, living out of a backpack, I was doing like miniature paintings and gouache on paper because that's the easiest thing to travel with, the most lightweight and versatile Unless you fill up the Lonely Planet guide or something. <laughs> I would get amazing handmade paper over there. Wow, I have a whole series of these little miniature paintings I did. But, so yeah, I just... And then I would just paint on myself, and then you're just in this whole network of other travelers, and then other people see you doing that, and then they're like, oh, I want that. So I would do it on them, and then I was traveling with some tattoo artists, and then people were getting my designs tattooed on them, and I said, oh, I should... Just learn, you know, so I don't know, everything kind of came together in this really, I remember this one week I was in Ladakh, which is in the Northern Himalayas, and I was like, okay, what am I doing with my life, you know, and then like the next week, like I was introduced to the Tibetan singing bowls, which I use in my practice now, right, um, as vibrational therapy and also like leading meditations and it's uh, just that's where you lie down uh, on the ground <clears throat> and you you I have well, the sound out of the bowls? Yeah, I have a set. I have like, I don't know, maybe 25 bowls at this point. And I, I was trained in the Tibetan five chakra system, but I also, the seven chakra system isn't so far from that. And then I was also into Kabbalah at the same time. So I was like, I'll get 10 bowls. Yeah. And then once you start collecting these things, it's hard to stop because yeah. uh, they're so rich. And the vibration is something you can directly feel and it'll change your brain wave states. Yeah. And you don't have, it, there's no dogma that goes with it. It's just like, okay, this is a vibration. Lie down, close your eyes. And like people will have visions or, you know, get in a really relaxed state or feel refreshed. Is so, there a particular maker that's better than, than others? Uh, I get handmade bowls from Nepal. Yeah. I've just got a set of like um, 16 bowls that were what's like the, made on the full the moon. They're like seven, they're, they're quote unquote seven metal bowls, but they all oh, have different smelting temperature so it's not it's it's doubtful that they have all seven metals in them mm-hmm. so but it's a mix it's a mix of metals yeah. and they're handmade and um so i got the sound balls and then i got the tattooing all like within the same week and then the body glyphs. so it's like everything and then this is like relating to spherism. so sometimes i'm doing stuff and i'm like i i don't know how this relates to my body of work at all but this is just what i'm supposed to be doing now right and i'll pick up a project you know I'll do spherism for you know six months and then it's just time to do something else and then a year later I'll come back to spherism like now when I was in Berlin I was uh, I was doing my body glyphs and then I'd come home and I would just do these completely labor-intensive spherism drawings except now instead of doing Paris Hilton or Fibonacci spirals I'm using like Tibetan um, Buddhist tanka like tantric tanka imagery as like the, the starting point what because is this that, what does that look like? <clears throat> so, ta- Buddhist tantric imagery is is like this divine union of like a, a male and a female consort in union, mm-hmm. meaning like the tantric sex. Yeah, tantric days. sex is that just the one aspect of it? <laughs> no, this is it's <laughs> so powerful really- because this is because essentially they're, you know, they're saying like you can't have enlightenment without. Fully balancing your male and your female. Your, and and the female is the wisdom and the male is the method. So they're saying you have to integrate wisdom with method if you want this union to take place. Within yourself, this isn't any kind of Kama karma Sutra stuff. This is a different... Right. Like tantric has a different connotation in America where you can sell books to these people who are sex-crazed here because there's it's such a Protestant culture. I think culture. it's Sting.
0: Sting made that. Right sting um, sting he had sex for like 17 hours or something that's long yeah and then everybody said well, how do you do that right. i say why breath, would you want to do work. that but okay that's fine <laughs> that's okay a lot of breathing yeah, a, a lot of heavy breathing and maybe a loose breathing. definition of what sex focused is focused breathing yeah. focused breathing could be it too so uh you had this this week of
1: of uh, clarity where it just So then these were just like, oh, these are, this is the path that I'm supposed to be, this vibration and and working with the body, you know, because I think, I think it's really interesting when you take the art practice, you know, to a direct individual and you're having this relationship with someone like Marina Bravnovich did this. Thing where she was really looking. She was holding space to look right. into people's eyes, which in New York is a big thing because nobody wants to look in your eyes no. here. I remember there's times when I was living here and I'd be on the subway and I'd look in people's eyes and smile and they would want to fight me. Like literally <laughs> I would get cursed out and people would threaten me. Right. So, you know, when you're holding the space for somebody to be present with them, this is, it's, it's liberating. It's liberating to give that space in this culture where, you, you know, you have to usually pay for that, you know, or even I say, you sit next to friends out to dinner these days and they're both, you know, on their iPhone and they're not even looking at each other. So That's eye gaze mess. is a major, a, mess. a major thing. India, I learned a lot. I'll be working for years based on integrating everything that I and you'll go back there. there? I'd like to. I'm planning a trip now to Mount Kailash in Tibet, and I have to go through India to to get there. But some of my teachers are in India, so I'd like to. I definitely like to go back and study, and I don't know. It's it's where I feel at home. Yeah. This culture. Yeah. What's on the mountain? Well. It's it's a whole. It's a sacred pilgrimage site for for many of the oldest religions. It's it's a holy mountain, um, but you can and you stay? You can't.
0: You what do you do? You camp up there?
1: Yeah, you camp. You circumnavigate uh-huh. the mountain, and I'm planning this trip with a poet friend of mine, and we have this whole like vision of of uh, doing this installation based on the journey. But it's like, okay, what is it to be a modern pilgrim? What is it to be a modern nomad? Like, yeah. what is it to go to this sacred site that's been drawing people? For thousands of years, you know, what is it? What? Why? Why this place? Why this mountain and not the one on the range after it? And it's it's an investigation, but it's also this idea of it's a conceptual thing, but um, turning you know sharing that experience with other people and turning them into the mountain within themselves. Because ultimately, like the biggest pilgrimage is like to to your internal in. To, to this center point within yourself, mm-hmm. so everything becomes a symbol. It's like a symbolic journey, and then from that symbolic journey, sharing that with a, with a large group of people to like help them using the bowls and these these other techniques of vibration. You know, now it's becoming like the art. You know, the what I love about art is that it's anything can happen yeah. within the within the confines of art, and There's, you know, all the religions have too much dogma, but people are craving a real spiritual experience. Even the new age is, you know, it has its own dogma and look and trend. And I, you know, I'm just interested in communicating directly to people, sharing an experience with people that they can connect to something profound within themselves. And I'll use art for whatever means. This is why I'm not tied to any material because, hey, we're all different. In yoga, in there, are five, there are like five different types of yoga. There's like Raj Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Karma Yoga. You know, you'll know, you either get the connection, Karma Yoga is through service or Bhakti Yoga is through like dance and abandonment or Raj Yoga is a combination of many of them or Jnani Yoga is like just studying the scriptures. So they this system understands that if you want a community con- to connect, you can't say this is the one path. You have to provide them many different, uh avenues to pursue based on who you are not everybody is going to want to sing and dance but maybe that's perfect for someone who's that's their nature so same with my art practice it's like hey i'm gonna be i'm gonna do installations i'm gonna do interactive stuff i'm gonna do i'm just gonna do writing i'm gonna do really conceptual stuff it's like whatever method is 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 the most direct to communicate in that moment what what I want to share within my own journey, within my own evolution. I don't have all the answers. I'm a seeker. Like we started off by saying, so I'm, I'm not trying to say I know everything, but it's like, how do we get there together? How can I share with you what's helped me and what can you teach me? Cause maybe you're going to have an experience. Sometimes I do these sound bowl things for people and they come out and they tell me the most profound things. And it's like, amazing. Thank you so much for telling me. And they're like, thank you so much for, giving me this so it's it becomes oh, this like collaboration too in that way and what kind what's the what's the tattoo what, what, how are you doing that what did you use what do you use you well, said you don't have a tattoo gun so right. it ballpoint so, pen. <laughs> no i get factory sealed <laughs> tattoo needles you know okay. like real needles but then i'll i'll tie them to like crystals or like different kind of tools that i can hold in my hand and then it's just like you know, this, it's like pointillism. Essentially, it's like pointillism on mm-hmm. the skin. So you just build up an image by dot, dot work. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's no, electri- no electrical charge, you know? There's something more... You know, I like this archaic revival. I'm interested in bringing these... You know, we can live with our iPhones, but it's, it's nice to take a step out of the technological world and, like, come back into something more from like 40,000 years ago. You know, they find these mummies in Siberia that are fully tattooed. They didn't have tattoo guns back then. They figured out a way to do it somehow.
0: Ah. Did the ghost have a different name?
1: No, it was me. It was just you. (laughs) So does that mean you believe in the afterlife? I mean, it's always the afterlife. I think every minute is the afterlife of the minute that came before it, you know? so. Okay. <laughs> seriously. I, I No, in a way, I really do feel like yeah. things shifted in that moment. And I don't know if I... I don't think you can ever go back to who you were, you know, in a way that life did end. You know, even when I got divorced, this... My life, you know, people were like, 2012, the world's going to end. Like, it did. It ended for me. <laughs> like, so, you know, we, things end, and the end is also a new beginning. So, you know, do we can we remember our past lives? Some people can. I was tattooing a guy recently, and he was getting, you know, I was hitting these points in his body, and he was having past life flashbacks. Wow. So, you know, but it's... Everyone has their own story, you know, yeah. and what's what's important is like your relationship to your own story. And how do we like offer our story into the fire as an offering, you know, like how do we have no story? This is like also the amazing thing about the sound bowls are they're empty, but when you strike them, they're full of sound and emanation. So the mind is the same you know it's when it's empty there's so much potential there and when there's thoughts and clutter it's just kind of competing so i try to bring these concepts into my life in the present moment like how can we all be be here now as ram das would say or eckhart toll would say who i haven't read but yeah he would say he's a now guy yeah and uh, (laughs) they'd say it all right they figured out how to sell now to everybody.
0: <laughs> well, you'll be okay. After my divorce, I got this thing started. And look at Let's look at what happens. Just yeah. had to, I'm throwing my story onto that hiss. <laughs> <laughs> that radiator. All right. Well, uh, we talked a lot about a lot of things. But uh, I did want to say specifically with the body art part. Yeah, body art. Uh, do, because you said there's a... Uh, whether it's intuitive or what it is, wh- whatever you're reading there, do, do certain shapes mean different things? Have you built up a, a lexicon? Do you have a shorthand um, that you know a teardrop repeating three right, times? Right, right, right. Is, uh,
1: it's a good question. I Really, I was doing the, the J.B. Blunk residency up in uh, Point Reyes, California, a couple of years ago, and okay. I just got a huge photo, no seam backdrop scroll, and I would just spend nights out in those studio and i would just sing these lines out and i kind of did them you know left to right then right to left and left to right and you know different languages would come out and this is like i'm in in the middle of nowhere so i don't have to worry about being judged And i'm not judging myself yeah i don't ha- i have a particularly terrible singing voice but i was just giving myself the space and different languages were coming out at one point something i was just like weeping I don't know. Something was coming just out just by so singing the shapes just singing as if it were a patterns. musical score. Yeah, no, but it is. I mean, what I realized is one of the first times I painted it on myself, and someone came up to me and they're like, "Oh, I can sing that," and she like sang my arm, and it totally blew my mind. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, so it's language. It's a poem." And then, then oftentimes, I, this, these like geometric structures come out. So I'm like, "It's math." And then I started doing these things. I started writing symphonies for this woman who could sing it. And then I was realizing the first time I wrote it, it was linear. And then I started doing these compositions that were, I would call them fourth dimensional compositions because the entire uh, score is there in one view. It's, there's no, you don't follow it linearly. It's like the whole thing is there. So there's, and I'm just like, okay, there's some 12 year old genius in a basement somewhere whether they're alive now or to come, who's going to look at this work and be like, oh, I get it. I yeah. know how to, I know what this is. So, and again, it's like, I'm not, I. it's not my journey to have to be the one to sing it and dance it in court. It's like, no, okay, it's my job to just let it through me, whether yeah. it's on paper or someone's body. So there's definitely repeating patterns and repeating symbols. And the way I do it is I work on it from all... Um, there is no up or down. It's like this imp- this impression that happens. And different people, I mean, I've showed it to different people and they'll all say these amazing things about it. I mean, everyone's going to bring to it their own thing. It's abstract art. It's calligraphy. You know, it. what it is for me almost doesn't matter because you're going to get your own feeling from it. Right. So we'll, we'll <laughs> leave that to little Marty
0: Rogers in a basement somewhere on Ivy Lane. Or Martha Rogers. Or Martha, that's (laughs) right. (laughs) We'll let let them sort it out. But um, hopefully. I mean, but part of it is also you you do need to collaborate because you need to, I mean, one, there's the person that you're drawing Mm -hmm. on. Mm
1: -hmm. But if you want to document that in any Mm -hmm. way, you need to have a good photographer there. Absolutely. I mean, this is another practice that came out of being a nomad where you know it's all about the temporary and the impermanent and you know i i'm living out of a backpack so there is no flat file you know right. and i'm doing these so i you know it's nice to work with photographers who will you know capture it in their own vision and then collaborate in that way and it uh, seems there's no shortage of photographers on on similar well, journeys. everyone's a photographer <laughs> now. Well, now they all are <laughs> But no, I, I'm, I mean, I've been grateful. Man is like a, a photo conference. I guess so. I haven't been in years. <laughs> it but seems like I, it to me. Yeah, I've only ever been through Gosh, the photos of people. There's a time when you wouldn't want your camera out there in the desert because of the the dust and the everything. dust. I would. I brought disposable cameras when I. You mm. know, I like the feeling. It was very like dreamy and foggy. But sure, I've been blessed to like have some um, some. Some photographers crossed my path who've been very talented. In Berlin, I was working with Paulina Soros. She was a great photographer, and then she she returned uh, to her her house in Mexico, and I was like, also, maybe for the first time in my life, I was like, you know what? I come from a photo legacy. Like I can I can also make my own photos. Yeah. So that's been a, a new process for me. Has been now not just doing the painting but also controlling like the, the photographic image and and kind of using them in a different way and not just documenting them as beauty but doing it as an exploration of like what is mask making like right now I'm looking at Man Ray in the the 1920s a lot and these pictures of Kiki of Montparnasse with these like African masks and like What did that mean at that time? And now who are we in this culture and beauty and the exotic and the erotic and tribalism and body painting and, you know, alienation and masks and Facebook and avatars. And so I'm kind of getting into this whole, like, blending of, you know, body art and the, the nude as, like, the vehicle to communicate something because of art history, but also kind of looking at it in a with like a post post postmodern way, you know, where you're almost coming back to something authentic because it's not. It's like you've gone beyond irony to coming back to something authentic again, which I think is needed now. We just everything is so anonymous and criticizable and ironic, and it's just like, well, what's real, people? Yeah. You know, so well the 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 work that I've seen of yours is certainly real, and it's it has
0: a. a, a Otherworldly, parallelworldly, oh. something quality Thanks, to it. Dale, I'm but so really, humbled. I had no idea <laughs> well, you were paying attention. And, well, it really lifts off the 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 photographs are mm. beautiful. I mean, there's that aspect to it, but also, it's the body t- almost disappears a little bit, mm. and the the paintings rise above, so it creates a, a kind of shimmer above mm. the above the form, which mm. is very. In, and then you kind of
1: go back and forth between that, but it's. I like hearing to have other people. Uh, yeah, Dell. We just have to shave your body because it goes done. on. It goes on. Uh, <laughs> you got a razor. By happenstance, <laughs> that's why I paint women more than men. Is just because you know the brush work doesn't go over hair so yeah. easily. Well, you must be meeting some decent women well, taking good care of themselves. Yeah. I the universe provides I <laughs> say it. <laughs> in a totally humble way, I mean it, yeah. I mean just yeah. you know you I saying? feel very fortunate to yes. because, you know, for these people who are agreeing to pose in this way, like it's such yes. a it's such a, um, a level of trust. I don't and mean I feel to suggest there's anything else going on. Because there, <laughs> okay there, is. well, uh, no, uh, there isn't. isn't. I not say there is.
0: But no, that's. Right. I didn't mean to imply that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I've been a rambler myself. <laughs> I know how it goes out there. I just meant you're not getting a lot of hairy women. Sometimes on the dating that I right. do, that's, I wish, mm. well, why couldn't you be more like Oliver's <laughs> models?
1: I'll give and you their I, numbers if you <laughs> want to try.
0: Oh, now. now we're getting to what I was trying to to get to the real reason you're here (laughs) so uh where else besides this mountain do you really want to see
1: what else is out there i mean it's Mm. all out there but yeah you know space it's a beautiful world it's a beautiful world really yeah yeah i'll I'll just i'll give you a soundball session you'll go you'll go further you know a lot of people with the soundballs you know it's like a drug they'll go like on a drug trip, but like with They just and, disappear and, into know, a come down. Yeah, like seriously. Um, where would I like to go? Gosh. I mean, I love Paris. I think I have a show there in the springtime of some of these photos. Um, you know, it's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful world, and there's so many amazing cultures happening all over the place. There's one in Ghana, they do this like amazing celebration. Where they make their own costumes every Christmas time, which could be really interesting. but I, I don't know. I, I try not to plan too much yeah. I'm just I'm open tell. to a lot. I'm open to just I about can, anything, tell. and it's it's more like what is going to show up you know because yeah. oftentimes in life' we'll, I have this whole realization about goals and you know when you When you have a goal or a dream or fantasy, you're creating separation between like the perfection that is in this moment and just wanting something else to make your life better. So I, you know, on one hand, I'm really reluctant to like dream or have goals because it's almost a way of saying, you know, what I have now isn't perfection, but I'm also human in this body on this living in this linear way too. So I have to kind of come up with concepts to work towards, but I'm open. I mean, oftentimes the universe has its own plan for you. So no matter what you're sure. planning. Yeah. Where do you want to go? Where, 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 what, where would you like to go? Uh, I like
0: New Zealand seems New nice. Zealand. Yeah. I was thinking like about a New Zealand place.
1: recently too super pure huh yeah like there are no gmos now they've got all that radiation and things from
0: that what Fukushima from kushima and all no,
1: that? no but the that the water doesn't go there it doesn't go down no, that no it's just it travels like in a, a loop to to america down the coast and then back across oh, okay. the ocean well then yes i'll be all right then yeah you'll be You're okay it. yeah mm. i guess you maybe a... maybe i could do a face tattoo on you like those maori oh, guys that'd be nice <laughs> Make a nice little video piece for us. Well, now
0: you've looked into a lot of people's eyes. Mm. You've sent people on vibrational journeys. Do uh-huh. you think things are getting better? Do you think we have a chance?
1: Absolutely. Okay. You have to believe that there's a chance, or else you'll just, you know, the world is too oppressive and overwhelming to, you know, I go agree. out the door. I
0: agree. And so now, and, and tell me if I'm getting too spooky. Okay. I don't think I am, I don't think I could. Let's see, but let me put this to you. Uh-huh. Do you ever feel, in all of this uh, questing, that you ever in, in have a vision of, of your grandfather at all? Mm. Have you ever felt connected in that way, or it's, um, it's, it doesn't happen for you that In, you, in, that in what sense, though? In fashion. Uh,
1: well, I don't like know. Like as an
0: apparition? that well, or... you, you felt the presence very uh-huh. uh, distinctly at a certain moment.
1: You know, I always feel like I'm living within his blessing. You know, he he worked so hard in his life and did so many amazing things and I'm it's such it's so ingrained in the fabric of my own life that I feel he and my grandmother, you know, I'm taking care of them in a way, you know, where it's a family business my my mom and my uncle and my cousin, we all kind of work for the legacy. But, you know, I feel that in like working to help nurture them they're, it's coming back you know like a, in a lot of um cultures there's this like concepts of ancestral worship or you know not worship but just having a connection to your lineage and to your ancestors yeah so i feel in this sense you know a beautiful connection i love to just walk down the street and or i'll be in another country i'll be at a camel fair in rajasthan and i'll see like a big airbrushed poster of like Salvador Dali done in garish (laughs) colors, you know, that's like advertising some mustache competition. So, you know, like I kind of feel like we see each other around the world in Uh this way and maybe not him directly, you know, as like his, because he passed when I was four. So I never really got to know him, Mm -hmm. but through working on the archive, I remember once, uh, he he worked for the new school and he did a photographic lighting workshop for psychological portraiture. And I remember I came across these cassette tapes that were recordings of his classes. And this is just after months of like reading his plays and his lectures and looking at all his photographs. Excuse me, and I remember I pressed play and I heard his voice and it was like blowing air into a balloon. It was something that was 2D, all of a sudden got volumetric mm, for mm-hmm. me. Like just to hear his voice, he became so much more real to me. And uh, yeah, that was a really remarkable experience. Um, I don't know. I, I wish I had the chance to talk to him and we could have had some kind of intellectual dialogue, right. you know, after I got all my dandy, dandyism <laughs> out of it. You're You're dandy dead <laughs> fella. <laughs> but you know he worked with Dalí, so I'm sure he was used to like this this kind of energy. I don't know. Maybe he would totally think I was a crackpot or totally a genius or both. I have no. I, I have no idea what. Well, that's beauty what you get, <laughs> you get to choose? You get. I'll decide. never know. I, I don't want to even
0: decide. Well, so uh, what you're doing I think is great, and uh, I'm I'm thrilled to spend some time with you, and, and and hear all the things that are going on. Wow and have, a, have myself, you you filled in the balloon for me. Yeah,
1: wow, <laughs> thanks for this chance. I don't Yeah. normally talk so much about what I'm up oh, to. No, it's great, it's great. And I, uh, yeah. I wish you well in all the travels and
0: everything that's going on, and may you heal quickly with mm. your knee and uh, have a nice holiday. I right? have yeah. a little bit of business here, just to say, but um, it's great, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. People. Can, is there a me. website that people can check out? There's a lot of
1: websites. Yeah, get into okay. it. Give me the one, the the gateway. The gateway, you know, it's very schizophrenic. So there's like a different (laughs) blog for each thing. There's OliverHalsmanRosenberg.blogspot.com. Yep. There's BodyGlyph.tumblr.com. Yep. There is Spherism.tumblr.com. Yeah. And there's uh, there's a handful more. Well, then we, uh, but we, that's can, enough. we can put the basic yeah. links and then that's, oh, that's we'll great. let people do a kind yeah. of maze through it. Destiny is your tour guide.blogspot.com. Okay. That's my photo archive from um, India. Oh, okay. All right. all right. That's a lot for people to look at. <laughs> but I, I, I did
0: a little dive there myself. There's some great stuff. So it's great. And maybe a show in Paris. And, but all that stuff will be posted. Anyhow, it's terrific. Uh, and we have another live show happening at Union Hall. Uh, Monday, December 16th at 8 p.m. Tickets are available online for that show. We're at the door. Uh, we're going to have Katie Lazarus of Employee of the Month, which is a terrific podcast. And uh, Elliot Glazer of It Gets Betterish, Elliot Sketchpad. Uh, my parents were awesome. He's the author of that book. Uh, Pam Autori and Jacob Schreiber from XNY. A great band with a terrific sound that the, ch- the kids enjoy. And uh, uh, comedian and writer Adam Conover from College Humor and VH1 and a whole bunch of other things is going to be fantastic, and uh, uh, we're pleased uh, here now to say that we've also we we've earned a couple more months over there at Union Hall, which is great. We like being there, so at least through uh, uh, 2014 for a few of the months, uh, be sure and come out because our, our existence there depends on your support, and uh, I certainly appreciate it. So till next time, I'll be using my empty whiskey bottles as rolling pins to make another batch of my delicious flaky crust for my famous Gowanus mud pie. Don't worry, it's mostly bourbon and nuts. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is written and produced by James Buley. Original music by Steve O'Reilly. Season six theme composed and performed by Katie Mullins. Season six podcast icon by Sunil Mancicanti and logos and poster design by Daniel Spencer Levine for the live shows. Rate and review us on iTunes or listen in anytime on Stitcher Radio. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dell Radio, or find us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.